Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. What's up? I'm Dick Maichinko. This just in, I'm Brian Bumpiss. Good morning, Brian Bumpiss. How are you doing? Uh, hello, Dick. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. It's been really the weather's been lovely recently and not like in that boiling oh my god, I think I'm going to die kind of way. Yeah. There's been sort of a refreshing breeze beautiful blue skies and sun overhead and it doesn't make you want to jump into an ice bath that's true yeah it's a rare treat um i've been enjoying it and the nights have like not uh, they've just been nice enough that you can have the window open if you want a little bit of fresh air but you don't mm. get freezing cold but you also you're not roasting hot if you don't have it open it's just that nice sweet spot it's just that nice sweet spot i'm back under a duvet again now mm-hmm. was under just a sheet for a while when it was too yeah. warm yeah Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a great position to be in weather-wise. We're on a summer duvet now. We had the winter Ooh. duvet on until a couple of months ago and they're like, "Oh, okay. it's time to change. Got to change it." Um, I bought one of those what are they called? You know Simba, the brand? Uh, like Simba mattresses and so on. I don't know if I do off the top of my head, but I'll believe okay. you. They're like all of those other brands that you hear on podcasts except for this one all the time. Right. And they also do a range of other things including a duvet and I thought I'll buy myself a really nice expensive branded duvet and it's got all these what are quite clearly paid paid for advert articles on loads of reputable sites where somewhat where it says in really small letters this is a paid for article. Right. And the whole thing is just it's made up like a review but it's clearly nonsense because it's been paid for so it's not a real review at all it's just yeah. an advert. And it's it's saying things like oh, it regulates heat amazingly. It it sort of traps heat underneath, but never makes you too warm. It's brilliant for women going through menopause. That was the oh. big selling point. And I was like, okay, well, this sounds like a an an all year duvet. That's perfect. It's not too hot in the summer because it regulates heat, and it traps heat when it's cold outside, and you know, in the winter. And I tell you what, it is so hot all the time. Oh no! It just traps all of the heat. So here is my my condemning warning to anyone thinking of buying a Simba duvet. Don't do it. It's a perfectly fine duvet, but it's just it doesn't do what it advertises at all. Well, the problem is, Dick, is that you're not going through menopause. I think mm, if you are, then it true. works perfectly. 
That is true, and I will never understand what menopause is like, but if it's too hot in the summer, it that that lie about it regulating heat is uh, it, it hurts. It uh-huh. hurts because it's too hot. It's too hot under the duvet, and then you're sticking a leg out, and it's like, well, why have I paid for this big, expensive duvet? Well, it just makes me want to just kill someone, you know? All right, she, calm, makes calm me just want to go shoot someone. Chill out. It's fine. I won't. Oh, okay. flipping won't. Right. Well. Anyway, that was a quick aside. Just Down. a quick just, aside. Yeah. It was pillow talk, is what that section of the Very podcast good. was. Very good. Thank um, you for that's coming one of along. the best ones ever. There, I like. You that. think? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the rest of the podcast is going to be crap now, isn't mm, it? We've peaked yeah. that early. But uh, anyway, this is our video game podcast. I've been listening a lot, actually, to the Cultaholic Wrestling podcast, our sister podcast recently. Mm-hmm. And they go on these mad diversions from time to time. And I really enjoy them. So I thought maybe we should maybe we should just sort of let Embrace go of it. our inhibitions a, li- a little bit. Yeah, and just talk some waffle. I'm sure there's a, a sizable portion of our audience that hated that. But uh, even so, let's talk about video games. This podcast is sponsored each and every week by a prominent video game adjacent sponsor. Uh, We appreciate it. It helps us do this thing for you for free. I have got the ad read here. Are you ready, Brian, to hear it? This is a paid article. This is a paid article on our podcast. Uh, I've got the ad read here. It says, Hades... The multi-Game of the Year award-winning indie roguelike has officially partnered with Primark to bring a range of affordable branded eyewear to fans. Titled Shadies, the sunglasses are cheap, made in China, and break almost immediately. Buy them now. That's That's what the ad read says. I would expect nothing less, and more to the point, nothing more from Primark from Primark Eyewear, yes. Mm. Uh, so there you go. If you enjoy Hades, get yourself a pair of Shadies. Get those Shadies. Stick them on. Get those Shadies on. Yeah. The slim Shadies. Um, that's real. You can. No, it's not real. Oh, all right. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, it's, it's not real. It's I'm all right with that like, one not being real. That's fine. You sure? Yeah. Imagine yeah. if you read an article about a heat-ventilating duvet and then that turned out not to be real, but you spent a sizable amount of money on it first. Oh, Can you imagine yeah, how annoying a, that would be? That would be a real shame. Pretty yeah. irritating, isn't it? Uh, no, that's not real. Our real sponsor is our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, you get access to the podcast post that allows you to submit questions for this show. That's where we source the questions from. We do four questions a week and I don't know why that was so challenging to tot up there four questions a week and they're all sourced from Patreon thank you to our patrons Brian where are we walking this week we forgot to do this last week we did well I forgot my surname last week but don't worry it's it's all okay Um, we are walking this week of course across a beautiful mattress can we be walking across that do you remember that do you remember that that sexy mattress advert that I think they they ended up changing a bit it was like it was really, it was kind of gratuitous, really. It it was okay. um, various different shaped kind of rollers and squishy pads and stuff, like r- moving and bouncing up and down this mattress as though they were, like, testing it for... It said, like, you know, we the best mattress technology tested for like all all mattress purposes or something and it was like really kind of in your face and slightly on the bed 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now the same company run very similar adverts, but without the breast shaped cushions bouncing on the on the mattress. They've sort of changed it. They tidied it up a bit. Um, Okay. You and you want that specific mattress. Just a still from from that one. I'll help James find it if he needs to. to or maybe not James has probably got that dirty rascal probably has an entire folder on his computer it's on his desktop that mattress yeah yeah seems like the type (laughs) well wonderful that's where we're walking sounds like a dream let's hear a little bit of little bit of (laughs) help me Brian Let's hear a little bit of. Uh, uh, I've already. I did the same thing. Let's Lib- let's hear Lib- a little Lib- bit Lib- about <laughs> triplejump.gg. Uh. Hello, everyone. As well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, we're officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, triplejump.gg. Here you can get everything from topping up your digital wallets to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions as well as Minecraft Mine Coins. <laughs> mine Coins? They'll be your coins any minute. <laughs> nice one, Peter. Yeah, thanks very much. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. Fantastic. Well, it's time for question one. Mm. Uh, This is from Lewis. And Lewis says, Morning, chaps. I've seen this summer described as being the summer of sport, which returns uh, with returns uh, of the football Euros, Wimbledon, and the Olympics, amongst others. But what sports video games do you like the best? Or which do you think are particularly worse than most? Have a great week, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. I struggled, really, to think of sports games that I actually like. Um, <laughs> the the one that I can think of that probably qualifies the most as a sports game, mm. I don't even have, like, particularly strong feelings about, but it's Wii Sports in that, you know, it's oh, got that's mass appeal. Uh, you know, grandma can play it, your dog can play it, uh, your your dead uncle can play it somehow. You know, anyone. But outside of that, because as I say, I don't, I don't actually have particularly strong feelings about. It. I think, as I say, it's got mass appeal, but mm. I've never owned a Wii. Um, so, in terms of games that I've played and owned and enjoyed, in terms of sports games, I don't know. I had to be a little bit outside the box. Rocket League is a lot of fun. That's a sort of fictional sport. RC it football. And then, other than that, like, in terms of ball games and athletics and and the things that immediately come to mind, I think, when you say sports, none of those games do it for me. I'm not a FIFA player, I'm not a PES player, uh, anything like that. But I do like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the series, Mm. and Tony Hawk's Underground, uh, and the odd snowboarding game as well. I've not played one in many, many years, but there was a time that I played quite a bit of Amped, on Xbox, yeah, uh, which you know all about, and SSX as well from time to time. So fantastic, you know, board board games, but not board games, board sports. Yeah, those, but not those. Yeah, um, are there any sports games that you've played that you've thought, "Wow, this is rubbish." Well, 
only really the ones I could think of from worst games ever. So All Star <laughs> Water Sports, the one mm-hmm. <laughs> with the like surfboards and stuff. Um, yeah. And then like, what was it called? Big Beach Sports, the one with the yeah, like the sand Beach buggy. Was that wasn't horrible. even a sports game, really. It was it was a driving game, but it was called Sport. Oh no, wait, I'm thinking of two different games. There was that. Yeah, that was the uh, that was beach the one from one. Davalex or whatever. Whoever did that, yeah. the The big beach sports was the Tesco Wii sports ripoff. Yeah, sort of the Tesco bargain bin Wii sports. Yeah, yeah. Well, both of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was what was the name of the of the um, buggy one? It talked a, a gratuitous amount about getting the babes on the beach, didn't it? I can look it up while you give us your your sports okay. time highs and because that was a really bad one. Podcast listeners, if you've not watched that episode, once mm. Brian tracks down the name of the game. It's it's pretty bad. It's not only from a notoriously terrible driving game studio, but it, the whole pretense and premise of the game is that you have to perform tricks on your sort of dune buggy mm. in weird wonky uh, in a weird wonky physics engine in the hope of impressing a babe who is in the top corner of the screen, oh, always I watching about the you. babes. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to impress the babe so that you quote unquote get her. I don't really. It the implications called... are upsetting, but it doesn't really expand upon that. I've got the name here, and it's such a forgettable name that even reading it in front of my very eyes doesn't actually ring any bells. But it was called Beach King Stunt Ra- Racer. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Beach, Beach King. King Stunt mm. Racer. Absolutely awful. Yeah, I, I second those as the worst sports games I've ever played. Yeah. Uh, in terms of ones that I like, and you your sort of curveball twist on the on the question, I agree with all of those. I like mm. I love the Wii Sports. Who doesn't love the Wii Sports? The Wii Sports yeah. is amazing. Uh, but in particular, Virtua Tennis 2009 oh. for the PS3, I really liked because it sort of does that brilliant Japanese thing of being, when it comes to sports games, and the same goes for Pez, where it's incredibly competent at what it does, but it can also be a bit silly and fun. There's lots of brilliant mini-games in virtual tennis where you're, I think you're uh, hitting the ball at plates on the court to try and smash them. You're dodging giant fruit that's rolling towards you. Nice. All sorts of stuff like that, because you create your your tennisman or tenniswoman and you take them on sort of a global tour and there are RPG elements so you get better like parts of your game gets better as you you know climb the rankings and do these um, uh, practice things you know just like how Andy Murray before he gets ready for Wimbledon dodges a giant pineapple yeah and then when Mr. Wimbledon says right you're in Andy you dodged the crap out of that pair mm-hmm. get it get over here and I really loved that game, really, really enjoyed it. And then it sort of kind of fell off a cliff uh, with the subsequent game. And we've not had one since. And that's kind of sad because there aren't really any, or many at least, competent uh, tennis games in that style that are more arcadey than they are sim, uh, if that makes any sense. Well, you've, so I love that. You've reminded me of a game that I'd completely forgotten existed. I used to play at Peter's Gamer's uncle's house mm-hmm. and um, it was... You went there too? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's right. I used to just go around and say, hey, <laughs> you don't know me, but I will work with Peter one day in future. Mm-hmm. Um, Rockstar Games presents table tennis, which mm-hmm. might sound like I'm taking the piss, right? <laughs> but 
it was genuinely quite fun. It was it was a sort of a blend between Sim and Arcady in that it presented itself quite seriously, like it was, you know, an attempt at kind of photorealism in terms of graphics. It wasn't like stylized, but um, it would quite often go into slow mo. Like if someone hit the ball back at you and it like went up into the air, it would suddenly go into like bullet time so that you could. <laughs> smash it down uh and it got really intense that game sometimes like it sound i'm i really sound like i'm having a laugh here but i have i have some fond memories of playing that which also yeah. reminds me of another 360 sort of sports game that i quite enjoyed which was fight night round oh i don't know round four something but the fight yeah. night games are pretty good um again they had like a big slow-mo punch when he knocked someone out and uh when uh when it was uh in between rounds you would actually then go into the corner and there was a mini game where you had to like rub ice and uh stuff onto your boxer's face to try and bring the swelling down oh, things wow. like that which is kind of funny um That's great so yeah both of those actually i've just remembered i never played rockstar t- table tennis no do you remember it being for some reason I can't remember where I saw it. It must have been at a friend's house, the back of their the box that their Xbox 360 came in. And I think Rockstar Table Tennis was one of the featured games on the back. You know right. how they sort of have a collage of different games available for the system mm. with like their names underneath. So, yeah, never, never played that one. But uh, it's kind of crazy that that now is something you and your friends can do in GTA Online. It's just yeah. like a small thing. Just go play table tennis if you want. 81% on Metacritic wow. for Xbox 360. It was also on Wii, 68%, so not so good. But yeah, oh, 360. Really nice, though. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, very nice. Uh, the, the other one that I really enjoyed, I have enjoyed several FIFA games through the mm. years. FIFA 2001 on the PS1 was uh, was a game that I have lots of fond memories of. My cousin had it, and I used to go around and play it at, at his house. And just used to, like, I was kind of... It, it sort of blew my mind, the the intricacies of that game's, like, season mode or career mode, where you had to offer players contracts you know to keep them happy and and keep them on your on your team and stop them from going anywhere else and buying other players i found that really compelling and then it was just a really fun football game as well and i went on to become completely obsessed with a ps2 fifa game that i from looking at the box arts of the various ps2 fifa games cannot pinpoint but i'm just gonna say fifa 2004 i don't know specifically which one it was but that one, I became a savant at the free kick mini game in it. I just became really, really good at it. And nice. we had a tournament with my friends and I won because I could score free kicks every time. And FIFA is one of those series that one of the irritating ways that they iterate and say, it's not the same game as last year, is by just changing mini games you spent an entire yeah. year getting good at which is really annoying. Um, so it's never been knowledge or experience that I've been able to pull forward to do anything else. But that game's career mode as well, I was obsessed with Oxford United, climbing the table to the Premier League, getting David Beckham to come and play in Oxford. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, those those are a few sports games that I've, uh, I've really enjoyed that stick out to me. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, it's time to move on. It's a new section. Mm-hmm. Where we talk about the games, what we're playing. 
Yeah, what's it called? It's called What We Play In. Oh, my goodness. It's What We Play In time. Time for What We Playing. Brian, what are you playing? Brian. Brian. Uh, I have played exactly what I played last week. I'm afraid to... Sorry to be boring, but uh, the same two games have filled up my, my gaming time. been playing mm. some Halo 3 multiplayer. Oh, it's... I really like being back in that game, both on and off stream. So I've also been, of course, streaming the campaign and just having a whole lot of fun. Uh, fun house, whole lot of fun. I in my <laughs> In my second stream, the most recent one... Uh, I upped the difficulty to normal mode because I was playing on easy at first, as I often do on streams, just to, you know, so that you're going to get through it in a few sessions. Um, but it was just to to quote Peter Austin, whose comments we do not want, it was no. just too easy on easy <laughs> mode uh, the first time round. So, uh, yeah, we, I, we got to probably my favorite level in the game where there's just loads and loads of vehicles and you like drive a tank and you can like commandeer the enemy vehicles and stuff you blow up lots of things soundtrack's great um and uh yeah so i had a great time playing it single player and i've just continued playing deathmatch mode as well on uh Mm. in, in my own time and it really does just make me feel i mean i don't know how old i was 16 Again, something like that, 15, 16. Yeah. Played just hours and hours and hours and hours of that game back on <laughs> 360, Xbox Live. Um, but also I've continued with uh, Ratchet & Clank. Not play- I'm, It's taken me a while to get through that game because I keep just booting up Halo and uh, yeah. you know, doing that instead. But uh, I've done... This is, this is no big spoiler, given that the game, in a sense, came out like 20 years ago. Uh, mm. But... Um, I've done the the train level. Uh, it was the most recent thing I did. So uh, yeah, really enjoying that game. And as I said last time, it's just making me even more excited to play the most recent uh, Ratchet game that came out a week or so ago. Um, because uh, I, I just keep thinking, like, if I'm enjoying this that was made in 2016, then surely uh, the fairly critically acclaimed Rift Apart is going to be even more enjoyable. So if anything, that's probably what's likely to hopefully make me pick up the pace over the next couple of weeks so that I can just get that done uh, and enjoy it while I'm doing it and then move on to uh, to the most recent game. But yeah, same old for me. Just the same games this week. Um, well, they're good playing? games. Well, they're, they're good, good games. Yeah, they're Good games to be playing. Yeah, I have to talk about this now because especially when it comes to video games, my brain is often a bit of a sieve and it, I completely forget things that mm. I've experienced or played if it's longer than 10 years you right. know, or even even two years and I need specific reminders. I remember going on my friend's birthday into town and him being bought or buying with birthday money a Halo 3 branded Xbox 360, the green one. Oh yeah, um, that was real, and I think it made like a halo noise when you it turned it on or ejected oh, nice. a disc or something, and that came with Halo Three, and then we went back and played Halo Three co-op all afternoon, and it was uh, it was amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun the the co-op mode in all three of those games actually the mm. the whole Halo trilogy the co-op is a lot of fun. Campaign co-op is the best. Yeah, yeah, for it. sure. Uh, I have played a little bit of Warzone mm-hmm. and I won a game because Congratulations. come on 
look at me. Yeah. And then I have, apart from that, just been playing more Mass Effect 2 and remembering increasingly why I love it so very, very much. And mm. I think it's partially just the polish. That game is polished to within an inch of its life. Every sort of, even the smallest mission has a specific animation showing like your ship arriving, the Normandy arriving at like wherever it is. If you're, uh, say, last night, I through a chain of side missions, managed to track down the source of this distress beacon that was actually a trap that ships were falling into and then and then being robbed. Um, and I forcibly boarded this ship where the distress beacon was coming from because it was it, a gang had taken up residence in there. Right. And it even showed, even though that's the smallest side mission, there was still a little cutscene of them looking out the window in horror as the the Normandy approached and docked and then sort of running around and getting prepared to defend themselves and stuff. There's just so many little things in that game that just make it such a slick experience. The shooting is better than the last game. The squad commands are better than the last game. All of the menus, the hacking mini games, all of it, like everything is just so much more improved mm. um, than, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, just so much better than... Uh, than the first game and i'm just in constant awe of it like all of the dialogue lines and i've said this before but every time you've done it you do a mission go around your ship and talk to everyone yeah because more often than not they will have something new to say and sometimes that'll lead to a side mission because the way this game is structured is you're assembling your crew to take out big bad and then you need everyone's full attention for big bad so everyone has a loyalty mission that you have to do for them as well um Sometimes the loyalty missions will be uh, uncovered. Sometimes romance options will be uncovered. Uh, sometimes it will just be a comment or like a snide remark. Depending on who you've got in your your party with you when you're on a mission, they'll all have different things to say. And if they're specifically uh, relevant to that mission, they will have very unique dialogue that will, you know, actually make sense. Like if you encounter someone from the first game and you're with one of the original uh, party members that were mm. also in the first game, they'll talk to one another and say hello. And it's like, there's just so many things that it feels like everything has been thought of. There's very rarely an occasion where you're like, oh, it's weird how those two didn't interact because they've met each other before. Like right. e everything, everything has been thought of. And it just makes me flash forward and think to a Mass Effect Andromeda and what could have been. Because, by all accounts, a competent Mass Effect game, obviously very buggy, but at its core, a competent spacefaring adventure. But when you look back at what they accomplished with this game, we've had better in the past, and, and we deserve better. And I really hope that whatever form Bioware has, is now, compared to what it was in you know 2009 when they were making this, uh, I, I sincerely hope that the next Mass Effect game is more on par with the level of quality we've got here. It, it, everything doesn't need... We say it a lot, but not everything needs to be bigger. I feel like that's the direction a lot of these games have taken. Yeah, we, we were saying bigger. that last week, weren't we, I think? Yeah, we do, it doesn't always matter. Just focus on the important stuff. Have a like, it really tight narrative game. And I say that... I feel like I say that every week, but... Just make sure that it makes sense within the confines of its own universe. Make sure it's believable that these characters feel real and not like weird, gurning, two-dimensional blue aliens like they were in 
Andromeda. Anyway, yeah. that's my rant over. Mass Effect 2 is amazing, and I'm going to be very sad when it's finished. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm looking, looking forward, forward to, to you. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking forward to you you playing it so I can hear what you think. You're going to hate it, aren't you? That's oh, what's for sure. Yeah, hate space operas. I'm known bloody, for it. Bloody hate those space games. Um, uh, let's move on to question two. Let's. This is from Callum Straw, who says, Hello, Brian and Dick. Just a quick one. Has there ever been a game you heard slash you heard was sorry slash convinced yourself was bad or a game you convinced yourself you wouldn't enjoy but actually really enjoyed playing i recently played katana zero and after initially thinking i wouldn't like it mistakenly thinking it was a roguelike i absolutely love it and would recommend it to anyone all the best callum p.s dick can you do a sick dab for me there you go callum nice that's good um I quickly dipped into the worst games ever back catalogue for this question again, um, just to see if there are any games that, all right, probably none of them I've ever really enjoyed playing, which is, that was Callum's wording there. But um, I do think it's worth pointing out that the Pirates of the Caribbean Jackanism game and also Xena Warrior Princess, I think are the best worst games we've ever played on the on the show and uh you know i thought they were they were both reasonable um in some ways i struggled with this because i think generally if if there are games that i've convinced myself are bad i probably won't take a risk on them um i'll normally like inform myself about them before playing them i'd be like are they really this bad you know i'm gonna like watch some gameplay first things like that um and I'll only then buy them if I've already kind of decided, oh, no, they, they look okay. You know, it's rare that I put a disc into my console thinking, this is supposed to be rubbish. Um, but maybe one example would be, uh, you have to hear me out here, Goat mm. Simulator. Um, okay. Now, obviously, that game is designed to be a kind of wonky YouTube reactionary thing you know, the whole point is like oh look how silly it is look how sort of intentionally bad it is mm. uh everyone's going to play this it's going to go viral that that's the intention um however i i think even within that so people who know that that's what it is uh i think there there's a certain uh maybe even a majority of people who say yeah but even even if it if that's what it was aiming to do it's it's still just kind of a bit rubbish like it's not as silly and um uh doesn't have the replay value of some of the other games in that kind of uh sphere and so even as a silly viral game it's not very good but i thought when i played goat sim um that it was actually it, it did have like it had replay value to it and it had things that i was kind of interested in seeing uh to completion so they were like kind of in in game achievements or trophies that you had to do uh, and you had to like work out what they even referred to because sometimes it wasn't obvious um and there were like all sorts of strange easter eggs like there was like a, a summoning circle with like demon goats in it and you know you could hunt down and find like little little secret things hidden inside buildings and stuff so again you know it's all within like the bounds of what it was setting out to do but i think in that kind of viral, silly game sphere, it was a good one of those, whereas some people think that it was unintentionally a bad one of those. Um, so, but that's, in a way, that was me clutching at straws. Um, cause right. I, 
kind of struggled to think of one. In fact, I meant to uh, open Steam and check my Steam library. I do that sometimes if I can't think of a console uh, example. Mm. So I might do that now. But what's what have you played that you were pleasantly surprised by? I have two recent examples uh, because I imagine, like you, I don't really often dive headfirst into something I'm not 100% sure on. Yeah. Um, so, Days Gone oh, yeah. was one that I put off playing for ages and I ended up borrowing it from a friend just because the reviews weren't very good and it was, you know, it was like it's another zombie game and especially as far as PlayStation is concerned, there's all, you've already got The Last of Us. Like, why are they doing another one? It's from a studio that I don't think has a particularly strong track record of making amazing games. And, you know, when I saw the reviews, that, that sort of confirmed my own bias. Like, well, why would I Why would I play this then? Why would I buy this? Yeah. And as documented in the video that Ben tweeted after he finished playing it, uh, there's still a lot of bugs in it. And yeah. it can be a bit janky at times. But I actually ended up really, really enjoying it. Sincerely enjoying it. And some of the characters are like crap. There's a character called Booze Man in it. Right. And you men are like really care about the emotional bond between your main character, Deacon St. John, and <sighs> Booze Man. His best mate, Booze Man, who he calls Boozer. And it's just like, for God's sake. They really, <laughs> they really haven't made it easy for themselves. With the naming of some of these characters, Boozman um, sounds like a Hideo Kojima Death Stranding. He does, character. yeah, Boozman. He does. He genuinely does. And I ended up really liking it. I, it's. I still encountered some irritations, but like I was, I was into it, and I, and I had a nice time with it, and I, I did get the platinum, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great game. I can't say that the reviews are not justified. I do think perhaps there's been a lot of chatter about the reviews were based on. Uh, an unpatched early build that was way less stable than the launch version mm. and basically that Sony sent it out to die with critics by not allowing them to patch it before they played right, it. Yeah. So they played a version of the game that was buggered essentially but I think it's I think it's really good it's a great game I'm sad it won't get a sequel to be honest because I think there was a lot of stuff in it that was really cool um the other one is Returnal which oh, yeah, we okay. were talking about on, or oh, sorry, Ben and you know what I can't be asked with that. We were talking about on, <laughs> on this podcast, like right up until the week before it came out, saying I just don't know about this game. Like I, I'm really not sure if I'm going to get it. And then when I saw sort of the chatter start to increase, I think some of the reviews came out and stuff. Um, we organised a copy through the company, uh, and I played it, and and as documented on this podcast was blown away by it still mm -hmm. don't think it's for everyone but it's a game that i was absolutely a not expecting to like and b kind of expecting to be extremely divisive which it is but extremely divisive with critics which it ended up not really being there was sort of a general consensus that this game is really good it's just tough as nails um yeah and uh, yeah i'd say those two from recent memory are two that i did not have high hopes for and, and ended up actually really liking yeah, in terms of games that aren't like supposed to be bad necessarily, but just mm. I thought weren't for me. I do have a couple of those. Um, there's one, I don't know if you've heard of this, called Dungeons of Dreadmore. It's a roguelike no. on Steam, and it, it's going back years now, maybe, I don't know, 
2010, 2015, something like that, in that little range. Um, it's a, so it's a roguelike, and it's it's very kind of heavy, intentionally roguelike. Unlike something like Returnal, which is a roguelike, but in some ways doesn't feel like a true classic old-fashioned roguelike. But Dungeons of Dreadmore, um, it's almost it's like turn-based as well, in that you can uh, do any action. So you can like take one step in any direction, or you can swing your sword, or it's all quite fast-paced. It's not like bit by bit by bit but like uh, the moment that you walk a tile then the rest of the world updates by one action so all the enemies around you will move one tile or like fire a projectile at you all in one go and then it's your turn and you can like hold the the walking directions and just constantly move tile by tile without without stopping so you're just doing a walking animation along the floor but like as you take each step the world goes and updates like that and um, it's it's designed to just kill you. It's like a permadeath game, and you're just supposed to get as far as you can. It's a procedurally generated dungeon. Um, there's all sorts of weird things that you encounter that you don't necessarily understand in terms of do I need to bring something here, or you know who is this? I've never seen one of these before. What's this item used for? So that's not my kind of game at all. But I saw it on YouTube. It might have been on the Yogs Cast actually, um, and even then, I think I wasn't convinced, but I might have actually ended up with it in like a bundle or something, or I, maybe someone gifted it to me on Steam, and I gave it a go. And actually, when I was at uni, I ended up playing quite a lot of it. Um, it was just a game that you can sit down, have a run through, and you actually know, in some ways, it's like reassuring that you, you're going to die. You're going to like hit, hit a permadeath at some point, probably in the next hour or two. And so you kind of just feel like, well, I'll just play till I die. You know, it's like the kind of game you can sit down and have a session in, see how far you get. And then you just, your score gets added to your, your own leaderboard at the end and you just see how, how far you got. Um, and the other game, Terraria. I always thought this is just a poor man's Minecraft because that was a, kind of the the height of Minecraft's first wave. It yeah. kind of hit a second wave in the past couple of years. The Delta but, um, variant. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but you know, Minecraft was huge back then. Then this game called Terraria came out, which looked similar in that it's you know build your own world sort of thing, but it's two D. I was like, oh, all right, sure. You've lost an entire dimension. You want me to play this? We have. What on earth? Um, and then me and some friends uh, from high school. One of them just suggested we should play Terraria. It's actually better than you think. And God, we spent hours and hours and hours in that game. And I've tried to be kind of a a proponent for Terraria for people like like I know for example you would look at it and think that's not really for me. And I did. I I was I was there at exactly the time you were talking about when Minecraft was popular, and I tried yeah. it and thought this is not Minecraft. Oh, you tried it, did you? Yeah, yeah. I have it I'd, on P- PS3 at least. I think. Right. I might have tried it solo and not enjoyed it, but certainly when I played it with friends, I had a great time. And there's you know there's like boss fights in it which you don't i mean now you get that in minecraft but at the time there weren't boss fights in minecraft so you can like summon monsters and you like there are all these tactics that people do like build a special arena for fighting monsters not just because it looks cool because it's actually like easier to do and you build like a elevator where you just dig like <laughs> a, a you know a, a hole straight down to like the sort of nether equivalent um, and put water in the bottom so you can just jump down 
like layers and layers and layers and not die fall damage. So it was quite fun just to kind of learn how you play that game and and just go exploring and mining and stuff with friends. So yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, I've I've heard it's come on really far. It's still honestly, it's still not something that appeals to me directly. But yeah. I, uh, it, the fact that it's still going today proves that I was just wrong about it mm. when I played it. So I couldn't I couldn't be happier to be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I've not played it in years, but I do remember. I remember it very fondly. Yeah. Well, if you were to see that game after playing Minecraft exclusively, you think, well, this is a bit strange, isn't it? It's a bit mm-hmm. odd. Yeah, it's uh, a, bit, a bit odd. And I suppose that signifies clunkily that we should be moving on to weird news. Weird news. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. Brian, what have you brought along this Hello, week? Hello, I'm Brian Butterfield. Uh, no. I'm Brian Bump. It happens every time. Almost every, every time. time. I'm Brian Bump. I'm glad we both caught it there, though, at least. Yeah, we um, saw it. We've, we yeah. know. We know. <laughs> um, welcome to the weird news. Uh, I've got a story here from Kotaku, the home of weird mm. news. It's written by Ian Walker, who I sort of is starting to feel like uh, the deputy to uh, what's he called? Uh, Luke. Luke. Yeah, Luke Plunkett. Luke Plunkett. There's yeah. also Zach Sfizen as well. He's True. also in the mix yeah. somewhere. Um, it's categorized under odds and ends uh, here on Kotaku. <laughs> okay. Chivalry 2 player only needs bread to kill. Oh, no. Subtitle. No word yet on what kind of bread he used to get the job done. Bread makes you fat. So, you know, that's eat enough and you'll die well yeah yeah that's the story um despite its serious medieval trappings chivalry 2 uh, chivalry 2 matches can get pretty slapsticky thanks to the game allowing players to use anything at their disposal to take down opponents 
Case in point, this recent Reddit post showing a creative Chivalry 2 player scoring two kills in a row with a weapon made of whole grains rather than iron or steel. You can't escape the bread, boy, wrote JackAttack1291, who shared his achievement across several subreddits. I got two back-to-back kills using bread on Chivalry 2, and I'm so proud of the second kill. Now, I was reading this article, and up to this point, I was like, okay, this is maybe this is weird news material. Um, mm. But I'll just I'll I'll read the next little. There's a, there's a now a GIF embedded in the article of the kills, and it's amazing. But I'll describe okay. it to you first, and then send you the GIF. And I recommend everyone right. listening goes to the YouTube version of this podcast and uh, picks up the weird news links there. Um, the footage is pretty incredible. After coming across two armoured knights engaged in a sword fight, Jack Attack 1291 comedically looks to his left and grabs a loaf of bread from a nearby table. He then runs up on the combatants and manages to brain one with brain one with the roll. Oh. I thought it was it was Bray. That's what they say bray. in the, That's what they say in the north of England. They say Bray. I'll bray you. Yeah. I don't know how it's oh, really? spelled, but yeah. Anyway, I'm, I know brain. I've never heard bray. There you go. That's a, a regional dialect. Um, anyway, the, the other, uh, the other, perhaps scared of befalling the same yeasty fate, takes off running, giving Jack Attack twelve ninety one the chance to retrieve his bread and test his throwing arm. The sight of the bread arcing across the battleground, its velocity apparently so powerful that it leaves a contrail in the air before beaning the retreating soldier right in the dome will never stop being funny. Uh, I will now send you the gif. Um, Here we go. There's no audio, so they must have heard the audio on the Reddit post itself, but uh, here it is. And it, the throw, I think, is like the dictionary definition of a yeet. Okay. Right, he's gone up the stairs. There's two people fighting in front of him. He looks, he grabs the bread. He has the bread in his left hand. Bonk! Bashes the, bashes the brain out of one guy. Is he, he's picked up the same bread again. Oh my god, the same bread roll twice. And he yeets it, and that's, a, <laughs> that's another kill. It's a good Incredible. throw. Throws it right over the stands. Mm-hmm. With a perfect arc. Um, wow. So, Chivalry 2's devs definitely had these kind of bread-based shenanigans in mind while making the game. Before it launched earlier this month, creative director Steve Piggott told Shaq News that Chivalry 2 was meant to evoke the feeling of a bar fight, where everything, from chickens to a dead enemy's head, can be used as a weapon. There's even an achievement, appropriately titled Baker's Dozen, that rewards players for killing 13 enemies with bread. The article continues a little bit more, but uh, that's that's the bulk of it. Wow. That's very weird. It is a bit weird. Um, I guess it's less weird given that it's clearly an intentional game mechanic, but still. It's, I guess we're early on in the, the game's life cycle, so these yeah. things are still sort of being discovered. It's uh, going to get weirder. It's going to get much weirder for sure, yeah, and people will be doing bread-only runs and stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> Can't wait for those. Weird me, Dick. I shall. This is from PC Gamer and Natalie Clayton. The title is Finally, Someone Put a Greggs in Far Cry 5. Oh my god. With the subtitle, Ubisoft's open world romp is best enjoyed with Britain's favourite sausage roll. (laughs) 
Brilliant. Fighting pseudo-religious cultists is hard work, especially when Montana lacks a ready, ready supply of cheap sausage rolls. Fortunately, one Far Cry 5 mapper has brought British high street staple Greggs to Ubisoft's open world cult basher. Greggs, for our non-Brit readers, is, a, is an ubiquitous bakery chain here in Blighty. She is writing some big words today. Ubiquitous. I am struggling with them. Having already brought a block of dismal flats to Far Cry 5, Edinburgh-based mapper Mojo Swap Tops decided to recreate the sandwich shop using the game's shockingly deep map editor. It's an alarmingly good facsimile too. Yes, the font's a little off and the shelves are stocked with upside-down burgers and fruit baskets, but from a distance, the vibes are immaculate, the warm glow of a three-pound coffee and sausage roll illuminating an otherwise grim Scottish street. The font's a, a little off. Jeez, can't chill out. It's not going to have the Greg's font available. Holes. There's a soothing quality to watching him slowly stock the shelves, panel the floors, and place a dainty seagull by the trash outside. <laughs> Mojo does have more exciting builds over on his YouTube channel, but it's these mundane ones I found myself loving the most, especially when they relate to my own hometown. Capturing the piss-stained scene of the Cowgate on a Friday night, the apocalyptic chaos of a Tesco car park, and so on it goes on. Sadly, Far Cry 6 will be the first in the series to get rid of these mapping tools, ditching Arcade entirely. At the very Aww. least, however, I'm quietly confident Greg's won't be striking Mojo with a copyright takedown anytime soon. So you've seen this, Brian. You've seen this Greg's build. I have. I was within, trying to just uh, react as though I hadn't, but I have you seen You did a great job. Thanks. You did a great job. But yeah. we'll pull down the curtain because it's not. people will be thinking, well, why didn't Dick send Brian a video or a link to a picture? Hmm. Uh, but it's great. because we don't get on outside of the podcast. Absolutely. We don't talk to each other. Uh, but it, it's really... It's really impressive. It is. And Far Cry 5's map editor has been exploding in popularity recently, and I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe it's the news it's not coming back for Far Cry 6, but I didn't realise it was so in-depth, the amount of stuff you could make in it, and well, how detailed it is. That's two things I was going to say. First off, I was about to say, oh yeah, um, Far Cry map editors, you know, fantastic. They've, they've been great since, I mean, the earliest Far Cry game I played was uh, Far Cry Instinct's Predator. Um, and even that, you know, years and years ago had an amazing map editor. Um, I spent probably as much time in that as I did actually playing the game. And uh, so it's kind of been a staple of the series for a long time, I think. I mean, I've not actually played more recent games, but I'm assuming, going off the context of that article, that they've all had map editors in them since then. Um, so I'm shocked and saddened to hear that they'll finally be dropping it, um, you know, after such a long time it's like time splitters had uh, had a really good one i think in mm. certainly two of the games if not all three so it's kind of again a bit of a staple of the series um so that's that's sad to hear and the other thing i wanted to say was i love the fact that people like what was the what was the mapper's name uh, mojo swap tops i love the fact that people like mojo swap tops make maps just just artistically like that you know they didn't then think oh but you know it won't be very fun to have a death match in the tight confines of a greg's they didn't make it for that they did it just to make a greg's in the map editor like why not that's great i love that it's like how in dreams some people didn't yeah. make games they made like animations and movies or just pictures a scene. scenes yeah. yeah yeah i love that very impressive the the tesco car park one is very good it's I think it's meant to be 
uh, evocative of the when the pandemic first started. Yeah, it's just Tesco in the distance with like cars on fire and people sprinting people across frame. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah. so good. Uh, well, there we are. That's weird news. It's time to move on to question three. It's from Trevor Price. That's Trevor Price. Bum bum. Hi, Bot Bot and Ponler. No um, idea who they are. Trevor clearly doesn't listen to the podcast. Not so a clue. That's good. Uh, I have finally taken the dive into Cyberpunk. In parentheses, it says Xbox Series S. And it is fantastic. I'm glad I waited for the fixes. I did the same with The Witcher 3 and with various other games and have, uh, and have only positive things to say about them, experiencing none of the bugs from launch. Uh, what games did you make yourselves wait for and was glad you did it? Uh, thank you, Trevor. Um, thank you, Trevor. I... I'm not sure if there are any games. I feel like there's maybe one or two uh, out there in the annals of history that I actively made myself wait for because I heard about the bugs. But generally, um, if it's a game that I'm really, really looking forward to, I'll probably just sort of want to play it straight away. So I'll just take a risk. And if it's a game I'm not desperate for, I might... I might hang fire, but not really consciously. I might not think, oh, I better wait until, you know, the bug, bug fixes are out. So, I, again, I sort of had to think long and hard about this. Um, Skyrim was a game that I didn't get straight away, not because of the bugs that I'd heard about, but I benefited from the fact that, uh, you know, I, I had to wait a couple of weeks. I think I waited because... I had a lot of uni work to do at the time. I know you've got an entirely different story, Ben, which is that, I mean, Dick, which is, didn't you like, it it almost got in the way of everything that you were trying to do at the time? Or have I... I I did all my uni work in the the week leading up to its release. Because you knew it would get in the way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it cleared the slate. Um, I think I I had uni work to do still. So I waited. um, And as a result, you know, I never had an issue with that horse and cart at the beginning, the infamous Mm -hmm. horse and cart. Um, You know, you used to have things where you would like kill enemies and they just like spiral off into the sky. Um, I don't think I really had any major glitches with that game. Um, And uh, but one I did think of one eventually, a game that when it released, I was like, well, I'm not interested in that. Not necessarily for bug reasons, uh, but for reasons that will become apparent. Uh, but I eventually played it, probably a year later, and was like, oh yeah, this is much better. Um, no Man's Sky. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, of course, didn't have a very good launch because people were very disappointed with uh, some of the things that were missing from it. Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head whether there were also bug issues. I don't think it was sort of infamously buggy it was you know just sort of missing content that was the the biggest issue but uh yeah i i was like well i'm not i'm not playing that because i'm not interested in playing a game that is not really as advertised uh so yeah i i gave it a, a year or so and when i finally gave it a go a lot more of it had been added in uh they just sort of fleshed out the world in general and uh I was a lot more impressed. Didn't really sort of stick with it long term, but equally I had fun with it and thought, yeah, okay, this is sort of what I expected now at, at a baseline from this game, um, as opposed to what had been released at launch. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, No Man's Sky is probably the main one for me. Nice. Nice. Uh, I am... I'm at the cutting edge of video games, Prime. <laughs> 
Yeah. I pride myself on playing everything as soon as it comes out where appropriate. Um, so, you know, I usually get all the bugs. And, uh, yeah. And that's... Yeah. Uh, seriously, though, I, I do do my best to play a lot of their sort of bigger releases as and when they come out. There are rare exceptions, like Cyberpunk, which is not common. The issues with Cyberpunk, and even No Man's Sky, those things don't happen very often. No. And if No Man's Sky came out as promised, I would have bought it very early on. But as such, uh, I still haven't played it. And uh, I know it's much better now, and it, I just it's just sort of a game I don't really have time for it's been currently. Gone now, or yeah. Won't necessarily ever have time for. Um, but for that reason, I, I do end up playing a lot of games in their launch state, and it's not very often that a game will come along that I will look at either for, well, mainly for bug reasons and just think, I'll play that later. I'll either persevere or mm. I'll it'll just put me off it entirely. Yeah. And so for that reason, I suppose uh, Days Gone is one of them in that it was still buggy when I played it, but by all accounts, far and away more stable and enjoyable than it was at launch. Uh, but that wasn't a conscious decision because if my friend hadn't, put the copy into my hands and said here play this i probably would have never played it yeah uh it wasn't about me waiting intentionally it was just well i'm not gonna play that and then i end up playing that so i'm gonna twist it ever so slightly this question Mm -hmm. and mold it to talk about not only mass effect 2 which is a game that just simply was not available on the the hardware that i had um until it was available, by which point I don't think it was remotely buggy when it launched. Yeah. But by the time it launched on PS3, it included two DLC characters, uh, two pieces of DLC, I believe, or maybe it was just the one, um, and also had that graphic novel comic at the start as well. Oh, yeah. uh, In order to choose the decision or make the decisions from the first game. So that, in, in every sense, was like the perfect version of Mass Effect 2. And I'm very glad that I waited to play it because I could have borrowed a you know, a, a flatmate's Xbox 360 and played it perhaps. Uh, but ultimately the decision was out of my hands because I had limited money and resources and I had to wait for it to be available. And when it was available, it was fantastic. And it mm-hmm. was the best version of that game um, because it had everything in it. Equally going to twist it even further to talk about the Resident Evil 2 remake which is a game that I put off playing for so long that they remade it and it ended up being amazing and while you can still get a lot out of the original Resi 2 and a lot of people remember it fondly still worth playing today of course get that out of the way but Resi 2 remake is a phenomenal game not just a very faithful retelling of one of the best horror games of all time but also ended up being one of the best games of 2019, full stop. And Mm -hmm. so in many senses, although it may not be in the spirit of that's Trevor Price's question, I'm very glad I waited close to 20 years in order to play Resi 2 because I got to experience a version that was far more in line with my tastes and, you know, holds up way better today. So I feel that way about Final Fantasy VII. I've still not played it um, because I don't, really like the fact that it's this sort of episodic uh, release Mm -hmm. but if and when it's all been released I may well finally jump in and give that game a go because I know how 
big of a deal it is in gaming history and it's you know the original of course i'm talking about now and uh you know so many people love it you know i'm a big playstation one fan and it's often in you know sort of top five uh if not the number one playstation one game of all time and in lists that you see online so i feel like it's a game i should experience in some way shape or form and i just know that i i won't be able to get on with the original version now like it's you know i think people who played it at the time can rely on the nostalgia and the fact that they know kind of what to expect but i would go into that just kind of seeing it for what it is by in this day standards. and age yeah by today's yeah. standards so uh I, I would just i'd struggle to enjoy it i think um yeah so i'm pleased that it's been remade or being remade i should say really and we'll get the third part uh probably when we're in our 50s i would have thought yeah yeah i think so, so. that's that's exciting uh, yeah. but there we are there's a few few games there that we're glad we waited for for various reasons mm. it's now time brian to move on to the big discussion. Big discussion time. Oh, goodness. It's time for the big discussion. This big discussion comes from Jared, a.k.a. Axel's Alive 95 who says, Hello, Dick and Brian. I hope you're well. Ben pulled no punches when talking about Death Stranding. Not a good game that just wasn't for him, but an objectively bad game. Whoa. While at the same time, other reviewers who will remain nameless said, Redacted. Uh, uh, Axel's Alive did then go on to name and shame all, all reviewers, and so it has been redacted. Oh, really? Oh, I, I thought yes. that might have been in the original message, <laughs> the word redacted. No, no, no. That was some censoring from me. Right. Re- I just don't want to get us in trouble. I'll send it to you after. You <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious. How exciting. <laughs> Regardless, though, how do you recommend gamers with limited income decided they should buy a game when reviews are so conflicting? All these reviewers are respected, thank you, and are giving their honest opinions, but there is no consensus. I used this game as an example for the humour, but this kind of situation pops up all the time. Thoughts? Disclaimer, the views and opinions of Ben Potter do not reflect those of Brian Bumpiss or Dick Mychenko. That's what it says there. Right. Thank you very much. Axel's Alive 95. Thank you, Jared. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is an issue with any kind of critique or critic, I should say. You know, in the people have their own people have their own proclivities and yeah. you've you've got a really i think it's worth just kind of learning the tendency of certain reviewers and whether that lines up with you and uh, you know what you like so if there's a reviewer you know either either one of us uh, or ben or peter perhaps or you know someone from a different channel then it's worth kind of seeing other games that they've talked about that perhaps you have played and getting an idea of whether you're into the same things you know so i think it can be better to trust either a specific individual whose tastes align with yours or i guess you could in sometimes you can find an outlet that as a whole despite the fact that they've got lots of different reviewers it generally again will will align with uh, with what you tend to think like i for example i tend to find that ign is normally spot on but of course they have loads of different reviewers on there um how they seem to always come to a consensus i don't know maybe they just hire the right people perhaps but uh there are some games are going to be divisive as well like i even i mean i sort of 
did a little reaction noise just then when Jared said it's an objectively bad game. Now, I, I wasn't sure if Axel was talking about fr- from their own perspective or continuing Ben Potter's thoughts what ben on the said, game. Right? Yeah, but. Uh, you know, either way, I mean, for a start, I'm not in any position to talk because I've only played about half an hour of Death Stranding. Um, but in some ways, it seems like an okay game. I in you know, certain aspects at least, like it looks good, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that some of the gameplay mechanics are thoroughly enjoyable. Other parts of it, perhaps not. In that, it's you know, it seems very slow paced and sort of bloated with long periods of just ferrying cargo around and it's very strange in a kind of Hideo Kojima sort of way but some people like that some people actively really enjoyed Death Stranding as an example and to say that it's an objectively bad game I don't know that's difficult to talk about objectively bad when we know for a fact that lots of people subjectively really like it so you know I think Perhaps the safest thing to do, uh, if you can't necessarily find someone who you can rely on to get it right in alignment with your tastes every time, is to just look at the uh, like the aggregators, you know, to check out Metacritic, see what the general consensus is, rather than like you know heading to YouTube and listening to such and such a reviewer uh, and, and getting their opinion specifically. You know, I think the best thing to do is maybe just see what the consensus is online. Um, and that's what websites like Metacritic are for. Um, or as a final alternative, you could um, maybe try and find some spoiler-free gameplay online so you can at least get an idea of how the game looks, how the game plays, um, even if you obviously won't learn much about the narrative from that. But uh, you know, that can be the best way, uh, outside of obviously getting your hands on it in, a, in some kind of demo capacity or at a friend's house. Um, to just watch some gameplay online and think, yeah, this this looks like it's, you know, what what I'm into. But you can't always go off that. You know, we talked about Terraria already, and I was surprised that I enjoyed that, for example. So there's mm-hmm. no uh, there's no golden rule, but those are some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's not very often that a game will split critics right down the middle. No. As Death Stranding did, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I'm not allowed. But it was very divisive among critics and clearly among people who played it as well. That doesn't happen very often. Last of Us uh, Part Two, but that's another. Well, exception, I'd say really. critically that was pretty critically g- true, glowing true, yeah. success. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, but we don't need to go down that rabbit no. hole either because <laughs> there's a lot of toxicity down there, which should tell you all you need to know. But um, just because a game doesn't split critics down the middle, it it's not a guarantee that you're then going to like it. Because, as you said, Brian, everyone's tastes are different. And even if a game is fundamentally, mechanically, aesthetically good, it doesn't mean that you're going to like it. It's no. exactly the reason why I couldn't get into Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, and and several other games of that type where I can appreciate them as being outstanding, spectacular games, but just not for me personally, not something that I want to really get stuck into or that I have tried to get stuck into and have just bounced off, whether that be because they are just not compatible with my tastes or whether I was just trying to play them when I was in the wrong state of mind at the time and I was in the wrong place at the time and it was 
you know, sometimes games do come along at the right time and they're a better fit. And that's why it's always worth, if you are interested in a game but didn't get on with it initially, it's always worth revisiting if you have the time yeah. um, when you're in a different place because sometimes that can make all the difference. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the advent of streaming and Let's Plays is a really good resource for getting an understanding or a more, I suppose, visceral understanding of what a game can offer and whether or not you'd be interested in it beyond obviously trying to find an outlet or a particular reviewer or critic or beyond that a particular youtuber or let's player or streamer who aligns most with your tastes when they speak you think yes i actually find myself agreeing with you and your opinions there's a good mm-hmm. chance that their recommendations will carry may 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 war weight way more weight than say a GameSpot review from X reviewer or an IGN review from X reviewer just because it's on that site and just because it has the prestige of being on such a big outlet doesn't necessarily mean it's going to speak to you and your tastes specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, streamers, let's players, tr- just try to get your eyes on a game as much as possible because trailers and sort of pre-release CG footage are inherently lies they're there to hype up um you know consumers and they're there to secure pre-orders and purchases they're not very very rarely going to be representative of the final game even if they're cut you know directly from the game or extracts directly from the game what you want are those if it's coming directly from a publisher themselves or a developer themselves you want that uncut gameplay footage those sort of small demos yeah. that they show but even as proven in the case of cyberpunk those can be lies those can be complete uh works of fiction you know vertical slices just for e3 <clears throat> excuse me just for e3 that mm. don't represent the rest of the game so if you are waiting until a game comes out to make a decision which is always the best way to go about it because you know companies do lie they want your money and that's why they're doing it uh then just try to watch as much stuff as possible demos no longer exist and that sucks but a lot of games are on game pass increasingly so uh or if you're on ea play or if it's all bundled together on game pass you can get or you can try these games as part of a subscription and that mitigates a lot of the financial investment in taking a chance on one game um, equally, Steam has an absurdly generous refund policy. <laughs> if you don't like a game, you can play it for like, what is it, like a few hours yeah, and then return like it? Three or four hours, maybe? Um, maybe it's, that might be wrong, but. It's mad. Either way, it's a lot more than any other platform offers. So there are options to try some of these games out if you if you have access to those platforms. But if not, just try and find someone who makes content who aligns most with your uh, with your views on certain games and your tastes because there's a, as I said there's a good chance that they are going to speak the truth when it comes to a new game coming out and uh, yeah beyond that just watch it just watch it being played without spoilers if possible but you yeah. know what I mean mm. um, that's probably the only way you can do it these days critics are a good measuring stick but ultimately and, and well, I mean, ultimately, they they tend not to disagree too much. As I said, critical reviews tend not to be split quite so much as they were with Death Stranding, uh, with reviews all over the place. Uh, but even even saying that, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be for you a game if it's reviewed mm. very well. Yeah, I guess the only other thing uh, that can be useful is if people are making comparisons 
to a certain game. So, for example, um, you know, if uh, I'm trying to think of an example, actually, uh, but, you know, a, a new game comes out and someone says, oh, you know, it's it's a uh, um, it's like a Souls like, you know, so it, uh, you, you get an idea of, well, I like those games. Again, I hesitate with Souls like because that's a kind of it's almost a meme, isn't it? Like, oh, this is mm. the Dark Souls of platform games but i mean when people mean it sincerely um yeah so, there are definitely elements of gameplay that that are relevant to that description. like when elden ring comes out i mean that obviously is going to be a soul slide because of yes. uh, yeah. the way it's being made but uh you know th- that's an on-the-nose example but if for someone when that game releases if someone if you're reading a review you don't know you maybe you don't know about the game you've not heard very much about Elden Ring you've not been following it and then you read something that says oh yeah it, it's uh it's exactly what you might expect um if you're into your Soulsborne games then give this a go then you can immediately make that connection and go oh yeah well I like that whether or not the reviewer says that's a good thing or a bad thing you know, they might say, oh, God, not more of this Souls-like stuff, or yay, I love this, it's great. That doesn't really matter whether they like it or not. So you don't have to worry about their opinion of the game as much as uh, that point of reference. So that can be handy as well, um, if mm-hmm. and when comparisons are made. Yeah. yeah. It can be difficult to know where to spend your money and how to spend it, especially if the critics are divided. Um, yeah. But yeah, just, just uh, try some of those things. And sometimes you do just have to take a gamble. And sometimes mm. you take a gamble, as we've covered in this show earlier on, and it pays off massively. And you don't yeah. think you're going to like it, and you end up loving it. So, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy your games. Nice callback there, Dick. I like that. Oh, you're welcome, Brian. Yeah. I am a professional, after all. <laughs> well, it's time to end the show, though, Brian. And it's time for you to tell people where to find us. We are Team Triple Jump. You can get all of our content, both video and stream, at youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. We stream on both of those channels. Uh, and when we do, we're modded by Lord Brotovich and Trowling Badger. Thank you, team. Uh, remember, by the way, speaking of Twitch, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits that you get with that at no extra cost is a, a sort of free Twitch sub. So you mm. can... Uh, spend that on us you get all the normal benefits we get it we get the financial benefit as though you're paying for it Uh, everyone's a winner no extra cost to you our social media is twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump thank you to fraser our community manager who's doing a wonderful job already of uh, handling both twitter and facebook and also luke eldon who's still looking after facebook as well uh, alongside fraser so uh, much love to both of those people Um, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is where you can go to access all kinds of tiers of rewards uh, to to help us financially you can ask questions on this podcast uh, at the very minimum tier Um, our website is triple j.mup that's triple ju dot mp if you get to triple j.mup forward slash discord that'll send you straight to our discord which is modded by jack joe and hollowise thank you mods uh, triple j dot mup forward slash podcast will give you uh send you to the uh the audio version of the podcast if you're watching on youtube right now uh, triple j dot mup forward slash vods will redirect you to our vods channel where all of our live stream vods are uploaded to youtube uh, and finally don't forget to check out triplejumpshop.com for our latest merch and you can follow at triple jump shop on twitter to find out when the next drop is coming 
Absolutely. You can follow Brian on Twitter and Instagram at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday, Thursday being the joint stream, blaze it on YouTube, Monday and Friday being solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly, Friday for patrons, oh my goodness, for patrons of a certain tour and Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Leave a review on iTunes, etc. Um, it helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Triplejump.gg, that's a great website. You can go there and buy virtual currencies for all sorts of stuff, and it's uh, super helpful to us, and mm-hmm. you're going to buy that stuff anyway, so why not? Yeah. We'd also like to sincerely thank Madstadactyl for all of her amazing work modding our uh, YouTube and Twitch live streams over the past year or so. She's stepping away due to work commitments, but... Uh, she's done a fantastic job and she's been sort of a a staple of our live streams for a long time so she will be very sorely missed hopefully we'll see her in the chat every so often I'm sure we will thank you Mads Dactyl for your work Yes. We've got a new starter, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have. Uh, his name is Kieran. There's actually already been... He's a, a video editor, I should say. Uh, there's already been a video edited by him uh, that's gone out on the channel. It was the 10... Oh, did he do best or... 10 worst years in gaming, I think he did. Um, and uh, so that went out a couple of weeks ago. He uh, he did that as a, a little trial edit for us a while back before we uh, kind of signed the contract but he did an excellent job of it and is very much uh, now signed and sealed and he's working with us full time in the office uh, so you can expect to see many many more of his edits going forward and uh, we're looking forward to actually everyone getting back to the office and working together as one big happy family yes very excited there's what ten nine ten of us now yeah, the team has grown so much over lockdown. Um, yeah, because obviously really we had is. Alex and Liam, and uh, you know there are, there are more started, people joining us. We've got Phillips Kat working with us on a, a mostly part-time basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, as well as obviously our wonderful freelancers. But our office, you know, we're taking over mm-hmm. yeah. physically. We're taking over space. So yes, welcome, Kieran. We hope the job is not too awful. <laughs> Uh, finally, we've got a new What It Means to Me going out on the channel this week from Rach, from Don't Rach Quit. I'm sure you'll be familiar with a lot of her work. She's a fantastic streamer, uh, mm-hmm. used to work for What Culture, and uh, she she's talking all about what Demon Souls means to her. It's a great video, and it's uh, out it is, yeah. now. So go give that a watch, and also go give her a subscribe and a follow on YouTube and uh, and Twitch and stuff. And go Twitch, support yeah. her. Yeah. fantastic well there we are thank you so much for listening slash watching everybody we hope you've enjoyed the episode and we will be back very soon just time to talk about this week's sponsor after you've done your sponsor sponsor. yeah Yeah, we've got to do the sponsor slow down shadies you want them Mm, no okay well they're available in Primark they're an official tie-in with Hades the roguelike that won all the awards last year so Uh you know go buy them they're crap and they break easily and uh, that's not a reflection of the game at all it's just I think they've made a really poor partnership with Primark who do manufacture terrible things Mm -hmm. for very cheap so there you go anyway that's the podcast bye bye bye
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.